They say the best things in life are free. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus states, freely you've received, freely give. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free. We are a not-for-profit adult religious re-education ministry, helping folks rediscover and understand the teachings of the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you'd like to help us do what we do, I'll tell you how you can become a supporter of Renewed Heart Ministries after this. But for now, it's our hope that as you listen, your heart will be renewed, and inspired to embody the beautiful values and teachings of the Jesus story. Till the only world that remains is a world where love reigns. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. Our title this week is Impartial Love, and our feature text is from Sayings Gospel Q 632 and 34. If you love those loving you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what reward do you have? Do not even Gentiles do the same. As always, before we jump into this week, uh, let's take a look at our our, uh, companion text, Luke 6.32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them, Luke 6.34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Matthew 5, 46-47, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not e- are not even the, the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And lastly, Gospel of Thomas 95, Jesus says if you have money... Do not lend it out at interest, rather give it to the one from whom you will not get it back. Our saying this week builds on the sayings we've discussed over the last three weeks, uh, loving your enemies, renouncing one's rights, and the golden rule. I'll put links to each of those in this week's e-site. But this week's saying addresses those in Jesus's audience who might have accepted his teaching on the golden rule, but only for those who would who would do the same for them. In other words, it was of a, of a quid pro quo. Um, the, the, these audience members... They would have reduced the golden rule to reciprocity or, or an exchange uh, between equal parties, uh, which is basically for one's own advancement or, or one's own benefit. And for them, the golden rule uh, could have been co-opted to mean only getting ahead and not in any way making the world a safer or more compassionate world for us all. James Robinson, in his book, The Gospel of Jesus, on the Saints Gospel Q, uh, he describes what this limited interpretation interpretation could have looked like in the Roman uh, patronage system and 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 can look in our in our political systems how it could look in our political systems today as well in the Roman Empire he states self-interest was called the patronage system and was even codified in the language or in the Latin expression do utes I give so that you give in the animal world it is I scratch your back so you scratch mine in modern politics it is called you euphemistically special interests. Lobbyists get elected officials to vote for the legislation that favors the firms whose generous campaign gifts have made it possible for officials to get elected in the first place. This is how elections are bought. Our firm treated you well in your last election campaign, so you treat our firm well in the way 
you vote. And our firm will treat you equally well in your next election campaign. Self-serving favoritism does not deserve the term love. For love shows itself to be real by being directed toward persons who have nothing they can do for us by way of return. So Jesus called our love to go far beyond one's kinsfolk, neighbors, peer group, patron, or campaign contributors. As a result, his new love commandment is much less known, not to speak of being much less practiced. Again, that's uh, James Robinson in his book, The Gospel of Jesus. This quality of reciprocity is quite different from the ethic that we're we're considering this week. The, the Sang's Gospel Q teaching is about loving those who cannot offer us anything in return. And there is no quid pro quo here. And as we'll see in, in the weeks to come, Jesus uses the golden rule to inspire a domino effect in those who receive love to then turn and practice that love in their relations to uh, with others. Um, the, the golden rule wasn't designed to establish private relationships of of mutual benefit between two individuals, but to produce a whole new world where everyone treats everyone as they'd like to be treated, even when there's nothing gained in return. Uh, Love was to be reciprocated, uh, yes, but but, but more importantly, uh, love was to be shared with other people. And this distinction is foundational to the rest of Jesus' teachings in, in Sang's Gospel Q. The, the golden rule is not merely or exclusively between a loving person and a loved person. It's between the loved person and another person in need of love as well. The person who receives this kind of, of, of impartial love is called upon to, to reciprocate by, by uh, indiscriminately loving a third person, and then the next person, and then the next person. And, and through their love, what Jesus calls God's reign transforms the world and, and enlarges continuously from each person to the next. So in Saints Gospel Q, the reign or the kingdom of God begins with love, even when we have nothing uh, from that love to gain. I also want to talk about Jewish pride or Jewish power this week. I need to say a word about the comparisons in this week's text and the, the references to the Gentiles and the tax collectors and the sinners and the pagans. Um, as we covered last week, when these texts were written, the school of, of Shammai dominated both the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And in an effort to strengthen, remember, Jewish identity and culture, the, the school of Shammai drew a a sharp line between Jew and Gentile, this disconnectedness between the two, and prohibited uh, the people from crossing that line. But it's in the soil of human disconnectedness, remember, that, that the weeds of supremacy and superiority take root. And it doesn't matter whether a group is in the dominant position within a society, as the Romans were, or, or if they're forced into a subordinate position, as the Jews were. Supremacist beliefs, uh, for those on the top of domination systems, they justify and protect their position of privilege, uh, their position of power or, or control. But but the supremacist beliefs uh, for those at the bottom are, as Howard Thurman taught, uh, they're a useful fiction that oppressed people use to survive domination. And, and if you'd like to pursue a little bit more uh, the techniques that Howard Thurman discusses, the, the techniques of survival that have been used historically by oppressed peoples that, that end up being self-destructive in the long term. 
term. I want to recommend to you again Thurman's excellent volume, Jesus and the Disinherited. Remember, if you get it through Amazon, uh, use uh, Amazon Smile so that you can, uh, a portion of, no extra cost to you, a portion of your purchase can go to Renewed Heart Ministries. But in this first century context, Hillel taught that Every person bore the image of the divine, and worshiping God was revealed in how one treated another, regardless of whether they were a Jew or a Gentile. But Shammai sharply distinguished between Jew and Gentile, and we could call it Jewish pride, or we could call it Jewish power, and, and his school framed it, remember, as a matter of Jewish survival, while the Jewish self was being denied by Roman oppression. In our time today, James H. Cohn, in his book, Black the and black power within the context of his own experience, he rightly rejects defining black power as an effort to assert their right to dominance over others because of a belief in black superiority. He states, black power is an affirmation of the humanity of blacks in spite of white racism. That's Black Theology and Black Power, pages 14 through 16. But but the same could be said regarding uh, uh, LGBTQ pride, uh, pride events. Uh, They're a necessary expression of affirming the humanity of those whose humanity has been denied by the dominant sector of society. And protesting Jewish subjugation in the context of the Jesus story could very easily have been uh, seen as a uh, to put it in the language of today, uh, a Jewish lives matter movement within first century, early first century Palestine. And Jesus doesn't condemn the school of Shammai's survival technique in our saying this week. I want that to be clear. His Jewish listeners uh, did not need to have their self further denied. Their oppressors were already doing that. What they needed was their self-affirmed and liberated from oppression. And while supremacy anywhere in society opposes egalitarianism, feelings of supremacy in the hearts of oppressors, uh, those feelings are, are of a markedly different quality than the claims of superiority that oppressed people might take. And Jesus does push back on his audience's claim to be superior while using uh, the oppressor's ethics. Um, when they loved only those who loved them, Jesus said their morality was no greater than their oppressor's morality. And for Jesus, uh, failing to love people who might never give anything in return negated any claim to moral superiority. And if the Jewish pride or the Jewish power movements of, of his day would, would enter into the new human society they were seeking to establish, Jesus was quite clear. It would not be through more disconnectedness, but it would be through endeavoring to to embrace humanity's interconnectedness and and our interdependence with one another. In other words, in response to a a Jewish Lives Matter statement, Jesus, as a fellow Jew, is not disregarding their daily struggle to survive by responding, no, all lives matter. To the contrary, he's saying, yes, Jewish lives do matter, and if our liberation is going to be made a reality— we must live by a set of ethical teachings greater than those presently being adhered to by our oppressors. The the teaching that we're looking at this week, it asks us to live from the truth of interconnectedness by, by taking care of those from whom we will never receive anything in return. 
As Howard Thurman also states in his book, The The Luminous Darkness, he states, A strong necessity has been laid upon me to devote my life to the central concern that transcends the walls that divide and would achieve, in literal fact, what is experienced as literal truth. Human life is one, and all people are members of one another. Uh, Remember, according to Jesus, the reign of God was shown in people taking care of people. And the prosbol this week, let's let's make a a, a, a comment about that since it's in the text. Uh, We've spoken about Hillel's prosbol enough over the last few weeks that I won't detail it this week. But where Jesus mirrors the school of Hillel in their broader interpretation of the Torah, their more compassionate interpretation of the Torah, Jesus pushes them to go even further in matters of economics. Jesus' economics, in harmony with the Deuteronomy Code, Deuteronomy 15.9, he called the wealthy elite to lend even if the sabbatical year was approaching and, and to expect their loans not to be repaid. To lend knowing that all the debts would be canceled in the sabbatical year and your money would never be repaid was a pathway toward wealth redistribution and, and, and a way to eliminate poverty among the Jewish people. You can see this in Deuteronomy 15 verse 4. But today some fear socialism or, or communism, yet wealth redistribution from the wealthy to the poor was central to Jesus's economic teachings and sayings gospel cue. He, he taught his followers to lend even if they would never get their capital back, if the, even if the, 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 the loan would be canceled, the debt would be canceled. In sayings gospel cue, we're called to love indiscriminately and impartially. Jesus calls us to love in a way that, that mimics the God who, who raises the sun on the bad and the good and, and, and reigns on the just and the unjust, as it says in, in, in Q627-28 and 35. Uh, any partiality perpetuates the disconnectedness that pervades our planet. The, the, the answer is to see that we're all interconnected, and to love based on that, even if there's no immediate return on our relational investment. The goal is what Jesus called, again, the reign of God, where people, rather than dominating one another, they learn to take care of and to provide for one another. So, so for all of those in whom this week's saying resonates as, as true, um, Saints Gospel Q 632 and 34, if you love those loving you, What reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what reward do you have? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Heart group application. This week, I want you to spend some time contemplating the nature of of impartial love and, and ask yourself some questions. Number one, what does it look like for you to love impartially? What does it look like to help others in need when there is no hope of them ever returning the favor? What does it look like to, to love in moments when the, the cost of that love will never be repaid? And just because that love is not reciprocally repaid, uh, does it mean that the, uh, that the world does, does that mean that the world that's created by the, the act itself, that, that that world has no overall reciprocal value in return? And, and number two, if you were part of the wealthy elite of Jesus's day, how would you have felt about loaning your wealth, even if your loan would be canceled and never repaid? And then number three, discuss with your heart group this week relational and economic ways to apply impartial love uh, toward others, and then choose to practice one of those applications. Again, I am so thankful that you are, are joining us for this series, and until next week, keep living in love till the only world that remains 
remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. See you next week. you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free. Even our educational seminars that we do in various venues. We are a not-for-profit religious re-education ministry. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or you can become one of our monthly contributors by going to www.renewedheartministries.com and clicking the donate tab at the top right. Or you can mail your contributions to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our our free resources. And remember, every little bit helps. And, And as always, anything we receive above and beyond our annual budget, we gladly give away to other charities that are making uh, both systemic and personal differences, significant differences in the lives of the poor. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of RHM, we simply could not do this uh, without you. From all of us here at Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you.